Welcome to the Round 12 Collingwood Rant Apocalypse Edition. I'm Sly. And I'm Sherman Tank Spook. Spook, which ring of the... I don't know, can you call it a game? It wasn't a contest. Yeah, can we just talk about next week's game now? No, no why really? What's the point? Um, no, it was horrible. And look, it's understandably horrible. There's obviously a lot of outs, a um, lot of... Uh, all right, let's 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 start there. Sorry, sorry to jump in. That's oh, all right, you in. just take over. It's your show. Yeah, this is why they offer me the big bucks. Um, Ian Elliott, Hoskin Elliott, Moore, Pendlebury, and that old prankster, Ben Reid. <laughs> and now, Braden Sire with a squad injury... Which is funny because last week you said, you know, between last week and this week, who knows who might go down before the game. It happened. Roughhead with concussion. Broom, Main, and Stevenson admitted. Uh, Stevenson, you surprised that he was admitted? I was. Um, purely, and I'll use this as a, as a, um, a parallel argument, I guess. Um, look, he's not good. He's out of form. There's no surprises around that. However, he, in terms of contribution last week, he ticked two goals. I think he was uh, instrumental in a, in a third that Rusko kicked and Josh Thomas did fuck all and Josh Thomas was the preferred option. Yeah, I, I don't know what's uh, how they're measuring players. I, I have no problems with them dropping anyone. If they're not performing, I don't know what their key performance indicators are for Stevenson. Uh, I said last week, you know, even though he only got four possessions, he still kicked two goals, which is a good return. I also think when he plays forward, he tends to straighten up the side a little bit more. So uh, it's a little bit of a surprise mission. Given his form for the year, it's not a total shock, but you would have thought there was a few more players in the queue ahead of him before, yep. you know, Tom Phillips is one. Oh, um, yeah. He'll never you be know, Josh he's un- Thomas. He's undroppable. He's like someone that's been uh, super glued to your hand. He'll be dropped next week. Josh Thomas has been dropped, but came back and hasn't really done anything since uh, in the period. Oh, since 2018, but in the period since his return. And there's a few other guys there, you know, Callum Brown. So, I mean, I would have thought that Stevenson was a little further ahead in the queue. Uh, other thing is we had four games in four states in 14 yeah. days. I was going to get to uh, that. You so second August, played Fremantle in Perth. Four days later, we played Sydney at the Gather. Five days later, we played Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. And just four days later, we played Melbourne at Brisbane. So we're flown across the country. Uh, you know, most people complain when they have a couple of six-day breaks in a row. This, I think, is an absolute farce by the AFL. And if I can be diplomatic, the AFL can get fucked because this <laughs> is a patently unfair scheduling. I know they're trying to cram a lot in because of the COVID situations. But that, when I looked at it, was just fucking absurd. It, that smacks of ineptitude. And that actually borders on uh, negligible because... You have a game where clubs are constantly bemoaning, you know, if they don't get enough of a break. And now you've forced one club to play four games in the space of what they don't usually play two, to, uh, two games. So I reckon the AFL can get fucked. And if Eddie Maguire, I mean, I know he won't, but if Eddie Maguire doesn't have stern words and say, well, look, I know what the situation is, but this is ridiculous. You've flown us all around the country. It could have been different if you just you know, perched us in Perth or wherever and we played three games in the row there. So we're admitting the plane travel, but to actually be flying 
after every game. It's ridiculous. Mm, no, totally agree. And it doesn't get any better with the upcoming ones. I think I pointed out to you that um, I think we play Carlton on a Sunday night and then we back up again that Friday against uh, Brisbane who are coming off a bye. So um, that should be a fair and equitable match. It's almost like they're trying to manipulate a certain outcome towards who will play in the grand final. You don't uh, suggest there's any sort of conspiracy here going on. We're not rewarding uh, the, uh, the, the two hub states, are we? Uh, why would we? I mean, why would you want one of the hub states to feature a club in the grand final so you can do all the bullshit like grand final parades and grand final breakfasts and all that crap and have parochial crowds? Why, why would you? Why? No, if, no. It's, it just seems it's, too uh, far-fetched. I can't believe that. You might as well fuck in the Rex and 5G towers. This is just insane. Uh, against Melbourne, going back to the game. So we had those we selections. The four of the ins, I'll say, you know, they're a little bit promising. Elliot, Moore and Pendlebury, great. Hoskin and Elliot, no, he hasn't been great, but, you know, understand. Ben Reid. <laughs> Were you shocked when he broke down? No, no. To be honest, I think I've seen uh, more longevity in a packet of two-minute noodles. Oh, it's insane that they keep going back to Ben Reid as an option. I'm sorry, Ben. He'll what come a great good. Player. You're just too harsh. He'll come good. Well, how old is he now? Like 30, 31? What yeah. is he? I don't know. I don't know either. He'd have to be, yeah, probably about that. And they did manage him out for one week last week. And, you know, we talked about it. You said, well, you know, it's a little bit absurd that they've managed him after one game. And I said, well, it's probably because they don't want him to play two games in five days because he might break down. Well, they had the last word on me because he broke down seven days later. Um, it's insane going into these games with players who have such a questionable uh, fragility, fragility that you actually expect him to come good, particularly at this age, you know, and Ben Reid, I'm sorry, you know, if you are actually going to use him as an option, seriously, he should just play scratch matches for six months and prove that he's not going to break down before you bring him in. Bringing him in was just insane. And then when you look at the actual, the the, um, the setup of the forward line, you had Reid, you had Majacek, you had Darcy Cameron, and then you had Trey Rusko. So you're actually a really tall, tall forward line too. Um, Darcy Cameron isn't that quick. So you're a really slow forward line also. And it's a little surprise that the way they move the ball into the four line, that it just rocketed back out time and time and time again. Which week are we talking about? Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Brody Grundy continues whatever's going on with him. He's obviously not right because, you know, we've questioned his tap work, but his ground level work's really struggling also. He looks listless. I don't know if he's just exhausted. Um, if he is exhausted, again, it's, ne uh, it's negligent of the club. They, they didn't manage him out for a game and just play Cox or Darcy Cameron uh, as a ruckman for the game against one of the teams with a lesser known. I mean, even this game, you know, who they who, did he, who was the ruckman for Melbourne? Uh, no, he was the... He's, um, he left British, British? Yeah, so British, he, he, left, he left North to, uh, to get out of Goldstein Shadow and go to Gorn where uh, clearly he was always going to get a game. No, I can't believe it. I think he just left North. <laughs> it's uh, out of one frying pan into another. Buckley <clears throat> talked about a lack of connectivity between, I don't know, you know, the separate components of the side, the midfield, the defence, the forward line, and again, it's, you know, the wings, your joke. The half yeah, legs. It's, and, and this is something that actually 
um, doesn't amuse me. It just, it, it just to me smacks of how fucked up we are. There's a lot of people now talking about, well, let's go back to Mason Cox. We need to trade out Mason Cox. What the fuck do you think he's going to do with that delivery into the four line? It has burned everyone for the last month. So what do you think Cox is going to do? People just complain, oh, well, here's not the answer. The fucking answer is the way you're moving the ball forward. It's the way you have the four line structured. And it's the way the midfield just seems to mindlessly decide once I'm within 50, 60 meters, I'm just going to bomb it. If they have any premeditation in what they do, I'm sure that they must first check that the guy they're trying to kick it to is outnumbered by three opponents. Oh, Jesus Christ, before, that does not hit him. You know, it's, it's, they should check these people for colorblindness or, I don't know, stupidity or whatever because this has happened the whole fucking year. And, and you know, Buckley <laughs> talks about, hey, we've got a lack of connectivity. It's like, yeah, well, that's been the whole year. You cannot blame injuries. You have to blame system. It is totally broken down. No, it's, it's putrid. And the funny thing is, is with the bulk of those three-on-ones, and there was even a four-on-one there at one point because you just got to keep uh, increasing the odds of uh, not getting it. Um, they're not leading either. It, it's kicking back to a contested um, marking situation more often than not. I mean, I mean, seriously, when you kick the ball to someone who's that outnumbered, what do you think was going to happen? I mean, you, you've got vision. I mean, this is one of the, the things I think one of the big issues with us is, is, is poor skills and absolute fucking appalling awareness of what's going on. You know, be that whether you're handballing it to someone who's about to get crunched, kicking it to someone who's about to get crunched, kicking it to someone's feet, kicking it over somebody's head. It's, it's just real. I mean, that game was just the most appalling display of how bad our skills are across the board. Yeah, you know, and again, like what you said before about Cox coming in, really, all they'll do is they'll just ensure that for a seven-foot target, they'll kick it 19 feet over his head, which would be nice to see someone actually kick the ball high for a change. It's frustrating across the board. Yeah, you know, like, and I'll go just off on a tangent for a second. There was a Hoskin Elliott snap where he's um, he's gotten a little bit of space. He's swung it onto the boot and done the banana. And it, you know, it looked like beautiful trajectory. Unfortunately, it was kicked two feet off the ground and there were two D's guys who smothered on the line. And you think, how hard is it to pop the ball up in the air and try and increase the odds of actually going through at a height where even short people um, don't have to stand on someone tall's back to hit it? It's it's appallingly bad. The other thing, too, is I was talking to someone else about our system moving the ball forward, and I started thinking this system has been endemic of the last two regimes, the Malthouse one and the Buckley one. With Malthouse, there was years of just bombing it to Rocker and hoping he'd provide a contest. And then it was similarly to Cloak. And then for about two years, we had a system there with the press and shit like that. And then Buckley took over and then we're just bombing it to Cloak. And now we're just bombing it to whoever's down there. And if you look at the statistics of Rocker and Cloak and Mason Cox, they've all featured very highly in contested marking statistics across the league, which, you know, to me suggests the mentality has been, oh, hey, we've got someone who can contest. Let's just bomb it instead of finding out a better way, a better system of monopolizing their strengths. And it's no coincidence that we're seeing this with Buckley because I think we saw it with Malthouse for quite a few years also. And nobody seems to have any idea about how to maximize the skill sets that you have in that forward line. I mean, I think this forward line was way too tall, way too slow. But it's that hope that, hey, we'll bomb it and we have some ground-level players who will provide pressure. And from that pressure, we will force a turnover and that's how we'll score. And it's just, it's, it's, I don't know, it's such a 
stupid way of trying to create scoring opportunities. I understand that it, it is a way in football, but you are going to create turnovers in forward 50 and shit like that. But it seems our primary method of trying to score. Yep, totally agree. Can we uh, flip up to the other end of the field? Yep, so um, defence, that's probably the worst I've seen them play for about 19 years. Fuck, it was terrible. There was, a, there was a stat up there at one point that showed that uh, I think it was about five or six of Melbourne's goals had been either socked or kicked pretty much just uh, a couple of metres outside the square. That That's zero defensive pressure. And what are we up to now? It's about 74 goals, uh, four behinds that's been kicked against us over the last four weeks. Yeah. Oh, the pressure. So, Melbourne kicked 64. Yep. And, I mean, that's coming also from the midfield because the, you know, and, and it's also coming from the structure because on the counter, how often Melbourne, West Coast, Freo, Sydney, um, they've all done it. Where on the counter, they've just had clear, unimpeded runs. Yep, to training, the training drill football. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like the scratch match. I mean, it's like, it's funny because we mock those scratch matches at not, as not being... Um, you know, ways to really hone your skills because there's no pressure and shit. But for the opposition, they must be going, hey, this is like a scratch match. We're just running freeze and handball to each other and then have a clear kick of goal and there's no pressure. And I don't know how much of that's contributed from the heavy scheduling and tiredness and flatness. But again, this has been going on for a while. And I think it was also there last year. And it's very identical to what we were seeing 2014 to 2017. So their structure has completely broken down. You also look at them around the ball. The amount of times there's a stoppage and we'll win the ball and we'll try and get it out through handballs typically. But then we look up and it's like, no, there's no one forward of the ball. So it's like, we're going to just keep handballing and uh, keeping possession because we've got to wait until players move into a position that we can actually pass to them. There was a bit in the first quarter where uh, Taylor Adams was on the far wing and he gained the ball and he broke a line and he looked forward like, okay, I'm, who I'm kicking this to? And there was no one there because he then turned around and looped by time and then he was caught holding mm. the ball. Yeah, I remember that. And it shows you again. The fuck, it just, the, the structure has, I don't know, all the integrity of diarrhea. It just splatters <laughs> everywhere. It's shit. And it's not working. So how long do we see this? And, and people go to personnel. I actually thought in terms of um, the side today, I actually thought that, oh, sorry, um, yesterday, I actually thought that was personnel. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it's not ideal that you got Howe and Degoli out and all that, but you had Pendlebury back. You know, you brought back more, you brought back Hoskin Elliott, you brought back Elliott. So you're bringing back experienced players. And even Ben Ray is an experienced player. So personnel-wise, you had a relatively as experienced a side as you're going to get in the short term. You know, the, the ones you're really missing are Trelaw, Degoli, and Howe. Mm. Um, and and one of the, just to compound all that too is is that we were pretty much smashing them in the clearances for the game, and yeah. could get nothing out of that dominance. You know, the fact and that again, we uh, we're guaranteed to turn it over as soon as we get that clearance out. So well, that was the thing too. It's just you know again, there's no structure in the moving the ball forward. Um, Buckley was interviewed at halftime. He went into his corporate branding speak about you know lack of connectivity. If you look at the press conference snippets and that the headline with that sort of stuff. Um, you know, that's about as bad as our connectivity has been. And that's I not think... who we are. We're not be seen. No, yeah. 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 Maybe we get back to and, our brand. And and it's really pissing me off because hey, let's look at 
what we've been seeing as a whole rather than just the last few weeks because still too many people are attributing it to well there's injuries and blah blah you're just seeing what we saw for the majority of this list build you know going from 214 to 217 which is you know 88 games or something you just saw this breakdown that we're now seeing every week and if you want to go blame personnel then we're never going to get this right because we're Collingwood. How many fucking injuries do we carry at all times? I know this this time around, there's been a lot of bad luck in our injuries. Um, you know, you've had Quayne get his uh, shin split open. You've had Howe impact injury. But then you've got a few others like Trelaw and, and um, Sire who did, uh, you know, soft tissue injuries. Pendles did a soft tissue injury. Uh, I won't count Reed because he is a soft tissue injury. But this is about as good as your personal is going to get. So if you can't maintain whatever game plan you're trying to play, then you're probably not playing the right game plan. And it shifts me that we keep trying to make something work when it's not working. And I think the reality is it's not working because it's just not very good. It's not very um, structured and it's not cohesive. And I don't know, to me, it just, it, it seems to focus on winning the ball and that's it. And once you've won the ball, it's like, well, what do we do? And we try and move the ball forward with very little shape. And when we do win it, we just got no one to go to. No, no, nothing's changed. I mean, this is just another week. I think oh, actually the, the change is, is we're getting actually worse as we're progressing. Um, so it's going to be a uh, an interesting uh, end of the year, I think. Um, but we'll get to that a little bit later on, I think. Uh, not blaming it for the loss, but fuck the umpiring was bad. And I'm not going to point any fingers, but Matt Stevick, my God, some of those decisions. That one where side bottom was called for, um, I don't know, too high or whatever, when the Demons player took his legs out. Yeah. And everyone, every single fucking person on the field ran forward yep. into Collingwood's forward 50 because everyone knew what that decision was except for Matt Stevick, who decided, no, it's against you, side bottom. You saw side bottom was just totally in disbelief. And... Then they later paid one to Melbourne, which was, you know, against Josh Thomas, which was just farcical because Thomas played for the ball and the opponent ran into him. And there was a lot of decisions like that, like holding the balls were just fucking ludicrous. There were times where, you know, we'd made five, six really good tackles. Four, four of them should have been paid on the ball and they did not pay a single one. The game, if it's going to be umpired like that, it's like you might as well just fucking remove the umpires get one of the players to bring the ball and whoever brings the ball, he can just fuck an umpire and make the decisions of the day because it would have about as much integrity as how poor that umpiring was. And you have people like Gary Lyon commentating who is a you know, Melbourne man and even he was calling out some of the poor decisions. It was really shit. And again, I know Collingwood don't do it, but if I was Collingwood president, I'd be saying, yeah, look, I'm not blaming this for the loss, but fuck, that was some really poor umpiring we were uh, at the end of uh, in this game. I really am um, just on the, uh, the the commentating too. I did enjoy the uh, the pro Melbourne cheering. Um, it was uh, it was a joy to uh, sit there and listen to. Cheers for the unbiased call, uh, whoever yeah. it was. Hello, well, Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, well, he never hides his uh, his contempt yeah. for Collingwood. <clears throat> yeah, and he's one of those um, one of those guys. He'll question why a free is not paid for the opposition, or he'll defend the free if it's paid for the opposition. But then he'll examine why one was paid to Collingwood or he'll overlook one that wasn't paid. It's just, you know, typical of the way he um, commentates. Uh, another thing too, just to really look at quickly, I recall early in the game, disposal efficiency was something like Melbourne was like at 80% and we were at 25%. 25, yeah. 
Oh, we, we did improve to 50, though, a little bit uh, not long after that. I mean, ultimately, it was 77% for Melbourne, and we were at 68.2. But this is a really interesting one. Efficiency inside 50, Melbourne 50%. We were 31.7% efficient inside 50. And it's like, well, what are you expecting to score when your system's like that? And I, I think, and I think the other two... That's the two opposites too is, is, you know, like every time it went in for us, it just came straight back out. Invariably, whenever they went inside 50, they scored. And that's been a theme for the last couple of weeks. I think the other thing too is, I mean, if you go back to like beating Geelong, for example, I don't think we had a much better system there. What we just had was the goey there who had a really good game and kicked five goals. And if you look at the goals he kicked, I think only the one from memory was like on the lead. And I mean, he ended up dropping it, but they paid her a mark. But then the others were just from brilliant play where, mm. you know, he either took a really good contested mark or he gathered the ball and sidestepped or whatever the case was. So the, system, the lack of system is absolutely worrying. And the other thing too, I understand that, you know, we've got injuries and shit, but this stuff of like playing Hoskin get down back and oh, all man. that sort of stuff. It's like, just fucking play these guys where they're best. I would rather have a guy who's underqualified in a certain position, like bring up Nathan Murphy and play him in that role. You got Hoskin Elliott down back rather than playing a guy who could add so much more to the side elsewhere, but who underperforms simply because it's not his role and he's not, you know, he's not capable of uh, filling that position. Uh, here's something interesting, Spook. It's better, be. Oh, it's really interesting. Watch the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't, and I don't see any point, but I've really, I can't fathom why each week the club dips into some sort of fucking pathetic highlights package and props it up on, on social media like it's some fucking deliverance from God. And like today, I, I mean, I didn't even watch it, but in, out of interest, I flicked down to the comments and they were getting absolutely shit canned for doing this. There is one club out there, and we've said this, I think, consistently over the last few weeks, who consistently fails to read the room and it's Collingwood. It's this utter belief that it's this entity unto itself that can do no wrong. Um, clearly is, is misinterpreting what its fan base is currently thinking of and what's been thinking of them for a while. And that's from, um, and you look at, you know, things like eBay and W today, um, they're calling for heads from the top down. Um, and I don't think that's on the back of a bad loss. Um, I think it's it's on the back of a season now that oh, yeah. clearly is is not going to be going anywhere yet again, um, and everyone's um, jumping on the uh, the tank bandwagon too, which is good to see. Uh, yay team! Um, you've really now got to start playing um, the AFL's rules and working out how to make this best for your club moving forward. And I think that's well, what people are generally crying for now. I, I think, think what's happened. Yeah, go on. <clears throat> I was just going to say I think what's happened. It's been building, and there's been people who. Um, have apologised for the regime and said, you know, they're building up to something and it's been unfortunate. And they have had injuries and shit like that. And But now, with it happening again, these people have just said, fuck it, this is ridiculous. This is stupid that this is happening again. Of the 10 years or nine years that Buckley's been in charge, you've had 1.5 um, credible years, 2018. And 2009, I think we're that great. It's just that we made the you know, finals with a bit of luck. Uh, thanks to the Hawthorne, we dropped into the top four. But I think those people who've just hit critical mass and said, fuck it, this is ridiculous. And you don't get a lot of people who are defending him. I'm just on the Collingwood website, looking at their latest videos. 
And this this is what they've got up. So latest video, a post-match interview is still a side bottom that goes for a minute, three seconds. I'm not going to watch it because I know what he'll say. He'll just say, yeah, that's not who we are. Um, we just, oh, they outplayed us, throw harder at the ball and blah, 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 all that sort of shit. None, none of these players just kind of go, yeah, we're shit, we're sorry. Six minutes and 48 seconds of match highlights. <laughs> is that like a, an amalgam over the last five weeks? It's insane too, because what we kick six goals. So, and I've hated this, you know, so we kick six, eight. So I've hated this ever since AFL football club websites went this way is you get that combined highlights package. So you actually, you know, you lose and that match highlights, they're going to be predominantly Melbourne highlights. Why the fuck would I want to see those as a Collingwood supporter? Why does the club not retain their own video editor to just go, these are the Collingwood highlights? And that match highlights could go for, I don't know, 28 seconds. Yeah, was, um, 24. Someone here on Twitter, and I didn't capture his name, apologies in advance, um, broke down the highlights um, as number five, a spoil that should have been paid as an over the shoulder free kick to Melbourne. Uh, oh, rolls the top eyes. Five highlights. Yeah, yeah, four, two tackles in a row, rolls eyes. Three, an unforced error by Jake Lever leading to a goal, rolls eyes. Two, an uncontested mark and set shot from directly in front. Um, actually, that probably is a highlight because um, if you equate that to the amount that are actually missed, that is probably a highlight to actually nail one. Um, one, the only decent piece of play in 100 minutes, which I don't even know what it was. So it uh, must have been great. Um, but must have been when know, they broke through the banner I don't think, an injury. I don't think if they didn't do this, nobody would jump on any form of social media and complain saying, where's the highlights this week? No. And going through the latest video, the third thing that shows up his highlights, Ben Reed's injury. <laughs> you could have a DVD at 90 minutes long of that uh, in the future. The best of highlights. The best of yeah. Reedy breakdowns. But the thing with Ben Reed, 90% of the time he breaks down, you don't see it. It's just no, like someone goes, someone reports, oh, Ben Reed's on the interchange bench. He's, he's, you know, he's limping a little bit. Yeah, what happened? And then they speculate for the next 98 minutes. Um, and then you get... Elliot, uh, Elliot Snap, which I can't remember which one it was, but who cares? Uh, so that's just what comes up on the front page, which I think it's farcical. You'd really just want the club just to go, look, it was a shit day. We're not going to put anything out. We we understand you're hurting. We're hurting too. Um, rather than politicise it with bullshit doublespeak that is satisfying nobody anymore. No. Uh, let me give you a total hypothetical. So... Everyone's turned against this regime. And I'm also just talking about Buckley and the coaches. We're talking about the administration um, and everyone involved at the club on those management levels. We've talked previously about getting Alistair Clarkson or going after Alistair Clarkson. If he was unavailable, would you take Ross Lyon? No. So you'd stay with Buckley? No. Okay, so if you couldn't it's, get Clarkson... It's a, given, it's a given Bucks is going, though, isn't it, in this uh, hypothetical? Yeah, no, no. It'd be like, well, we're going to sound someone out, and um, if we, we can't get him, our other option is Ross Lyon or Bucks. Or if you can come up with a different option, go for it. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd, if I couldn't get Clarkson, I'd be sounding out um, Sam Mitchell or potentially Carousella. But... I still, Carousel has played for us, even though it's not really um, the mass of his career and, and whatnot. And he probably hasn't been infected by Collingwood's culture enough, but um, he's done enough yards to come in as an untested coach 
for us, but I don't think that's something that the club will really want. Um, but if I had to choose um, away from experience and I'd probably choose them over Ross Lyon, I'd, I'd be looking at those too, but I want Clarko. So you'd be happy to take a totally untried coach? Um, if there were the two scenarios, I'm, I'm being clear here that um, my preference yeah. would yeah. be that I want um, an experienced coach. But if you were going to go down that route of um, untested, then a few clubs have been doing that of late with reasonable degrees of success. Um, they'd be probably the other two candidates. Um, I'm just... The, the, the thing that worries me about Ross Lyon is his, his coach Tammany losing grand finals. It's not exactly um, a pedigree that we need at Collingwood. Um, there's been lots and lots and lots of uh, occurrences of that happening in the past. And it's something I just wouldn't feel comfortable embracing. Look, uh, He talks the talk and I'm, I'm sure he works well uh, with players and that. He just doesn't seem to be, he, he doesn't complete that feeling of success, if you know what I mean, for me. Yeah. I mean, I'd be concerned taking anyone untried because, you know, you look at someone like um, uh, Brendan Bolton, you know, went to Carlton with good pedigree. It all turned to shit. And, you know, there was various people in the past, you know, Mark Neal went from Collingwood to Melbourne, went terribly. We don't know how well Simon Goodwin's doing at um, Melbourne. Just mixed sort of reports. I mean, I, I'd like someone with some... Uh, with some experience behind them and not just assistant coach experience. I want someone with some genuine uh, experience behind them. I don't know. I mean, I don't actually care if it lines lost grand finals. My bigger question mark would be on his list management that he, at St Kilda and Fremantle, he sort of went for battlers to shore up the bottom end and they were probably, you know, the vulnerable spot in his grand final sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of his coaching, I recall Matthew Pavlich was interviewed a few years ago and he was asked, you know, who was the best coach you played on? Because being at Fremantle, he played under about 19 coaches. <laughs> and he said, Ross Lyon. And, you know, the interview went along the lines of, he said, you know, Ross Lyon by quite a what, by quite a distance. And I think Lyon does do a good job of unifying the players. And, it, I mean, if he was, if they were just going to move on Buckley and go, well, hey, we want someone else. I, I'd, I'd take him. I'd try it because what the hell I try me at this point? But um, I should be coach actually. Uh, no, but yeah, I, I'm, I really like the way Lyon speaks. I, and I know he hasn't won flags, but I think he was unlucky in a couple of them too. Oh, look, I, I don't um, don't disagree with you on his on his speaking. Even listening on the radio and stuff, he's he's very analytical. Um, but I'm just I just wouldn't feel comfortable. Um, but you know the thing is too. Aside from him, uh, who who else is there? Brad Scott, one of the Scots, is is probably about the yeah. only experienced coach. And I wouldn't go near him with the barge pole either. I mean, there's just not a dearth of availability out there of good season coaches. But I still think, uh, and um, you know, the, the Clarko thing, it's doable at the moment. Hawthorne are struggling. I think Hawthorne, um, even though the bloke walks on water with them, I think that if if someone came in and went to poach they'd be seriously thinking with a rebuild, we could do it with someone like Mitchell or, or whoever, and they'd probably make it work. Um, and he's probably, you know, you can work the last year of Buckley's 
you know, contract. Oh, well, contracts um, are bullshit. That. I mean, yeah, when, when players and coaches have wanted to move, they've moved. Fatigue, whatever it is out of all this sort of stuff, you've got a raft of excuses to, to make this happen. But I think is, um, and, and Mark W actually made a really good point on, um, on eBay and W I was reading today uh, around that the dangerous thing about, um, because Buckley's last year of the contract next year is there won't be a need or a feel that um, he'll have to go through a rebuild. You trying to justify your existence in that last year. So you're going to be just doing the stupid to try and get wins. That's not going to help us move forward. If that's going to be the, the scenario that we're, we're left with, they're going to have to either declare a rebuild and work with that or do some sort of succession or something. But I just think it's folly to continue with, uh, with bucks, unfortunately for, um, for for any longer, the way Buckley speaks, I think he'd make an awesome president. <laughs> and that's the other one I want to see uh, vacated too. This has to be a hand in hand arrangement. But I, I don't think I've sort of shied away from uh, making that point clear as well. And I think I, I said to you a little bit today, um, off in Messenger, um, not face to face because we're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, but I think one of the advantages of someone like Clarkson coming in is he brings um, a pedigree that, that I want to see at Collingwood, which is going to be injecting a lot of ruthlessness into it. And I think some of that's going to come in um, away from the playing field as well. You're going to bring, um, well, you're going to be likely to attract some, some key talent who want to follow him. Um, you'd seriously then, you've got the opportunity to use him as a catalyst to clean out what you've got at the club now. Um, it's not unheard of for that sort of thing to happen. Um, the president, though, has to go at the same breath. Um, you know, there's been some good observations around that I don't think someone of Clarkson and, 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 and Eddie's um, personalities would work well together. Um, but Eddie's not there to win his flags um, in that coaching like capacity. So I think, you know, as well as we are running off field, I'm sure, and we're financially viable, blah, blah, blah. Um, I want success on field. I don't give a fuck about um, how much dollars we got in the bank or, or how our profits are. I want to see us win flags. That's, that's, the reason why I follow the club, it's the reason why um, I keep going week in and week out. You know, I, I don't mind well, the so lean times. No, well, no. Well, I go in the lounge room to watch a game. Does that count? Um, although the Melbourne game, I probably could have watched from the shitter just to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where I'm sort of coming from 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 across all that. And you know, there's a really good opportunity to, to to take advantage of here. You can use what's happened with COVID this year as a as a means to sort of um, enable change with a raft of excuses. Um, but um, I just don't think there's any point really persisting with where we are and and what we have. Well, I think the other thing too is you don't know what the season's going to look like next year because of well, what's going on. It's exactly right. Yeah, we're, I think yeah. we're all trading with the assumption that by um, March, April next year, everything's back to normal, which it may not be that way. So we could, be, we could be locked out of Victoria yet again. Well, those are the thing. I mean, if you're going into another season like this, um, which I, I actually think is very probable, uh, given what's happened, I think... It's you're going to be in a situation where there's going to be excuses for the who whichever the regime's in place, and if they're just going to deliver another season like this, it's like, well, there's no point. Hey, there's no point. Maybe we just use that season to blood kids to play yep. them to prepare them for 2022. I mean, but the unfortunate thing, and this is the thing with the fucking list build, is it's 
really uneven because you're going to lose guys like Pendles and Sidebottom and Howe and Roughhead and Greenwood and Farco and Reed and all those sort of players. And you have some good young core talent in Moore and Dugowie and Stevenson um, and Maynard. And then you have some speculative talent, which, you know, like the Browns and Dacos, we don't know what their ceiling is. But there's quite a, a dearth of players around them. So it could be a long rebuild, which just sees out the aging players. Yeah, well, that's, every... that, that's inevitable. That, yeah. that's, I mean, and then that's part of that caretaker sort of role that some of those older blokes take. And, you know, look, they shouldn't be surprised by any of that because they were on the receiving end of it at the start of their career. So that's just part and parcel. You, you work through that. Yeah. But I mean, the thing with, with guys like Pendlebury and that, he came into a side that played finals immediately. So until Buckley took over, Pendlebury played in clubs that had played in finals. He didn't play in the 2006 uh, elimination final against um, Bulldogs. Pretty sure he was a emergency. But 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12... 13, he played in final sides and it wasn't until 14 that he's missed out. Uh, so I just think, I don't know how they're going to rebuild. I think one of the issues with this list build is because of all the misses they had early on with Scharenberg and Freeman and Russell and Lynch and Young and all these free agents they brought in, they then traded too heavily to try and rectify the issue and they spent two first rounders on Trelaw and I think they spent two on Aish um, you know, and then they paid for like what, a second rounder for Sam Murray, and they paid. I don't know. I think he um, Huskin Elliott was an early second round, all that sort of stuff. So they paid quite a bit to tr to to get um, players into the club, whether they were recognised talent like you know Huskin Elliott and Trelaw, or whether they were speculative talent which they considered could fill holes, like Sam Murray. Um, and because they did that, they actually did it at the expense of a stable rebuild. So, you know, instead of possibly having two players who could be 10-year players, you spent two picks on Trelaw, uh, and now you've got this major question mark over his hamstring injury yeah. issues. So there's, I don't know how much currency they've got to do a rebuild. Um, and then you look at things like Grundy. Grundy's 26. People, I think, overlook the fact he's been around for a while. So, yeah. you know, how how long is he going to survive playing the sort of game he plays? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, go on. No, I was just going to move on. So unless you've got something else to add, I will move on. No, nah, fuck it. <clears throat> uh, playing North Melbourne next week, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Um, when? When are we doing it? So we're playing Monday at um, 7.10pm at the Gabba. Yeah, old traditional time slot. Yep. And so we play North Carlton, Brisbane, three weeks in a row at the Gabba. Yep. And oh, actually, and then Gold Coast Suns. So we play, we stay at the Gabba, which, you know, you'd think this would have been the time that they actually gave us the hurry drum. Because if you look at this too, Fucking again, the AFL. So you play North on August 24th, which is nine days after this Melbourne clash. You play Carlton on August 30th, so that's six days. Then you play um, Lions September 4th, so that's only like the five days. And then you get a 10-day break. And it's like, well, couldn't you have interspersed some of our games now with breaks? So especially given that we're playing, uh, flying on planes and shit like that. You look at... 
whatever their standard routine is of playing a game and doing recovery the next day, they've all would have been interrupted because they were sort of been jumping on planes and moving to the next place and all that sort of shit. Anyway, yeah, with all of this, there's still too much entertaining of broadcast times for TV driving some of these decisions. Yeah. I mean, why would we be playing Sunday night at that time? There's plenty of other slots over that weekend we could go into um, to give us a little bit more of a break to go into Friday's game. But no, it's prime time Sunday night. Why wouldn't you have us there? Well, I, I haven't studied the other clubs and their fixtures, but jeez, oh I mean, even if, you know, if someone's getting it as bad or as worse, then that's still wrong. You know, I'd be saying it too. Um, I mean, that fixturing's stupid. I know you're trying to squeeze a season in because of COVID, but fuck, that is negligent to me. So what do you think about the game against the North? You're going to have Reed out and Mychek possibly out. Oh, me, I'll be out. I mean, that... That concussion was, uh, you know, as a friend of mine said, it's borderline car accident uh, territory. The way he was hit and it just, he was out cold, I think, before uh, he'd uh, banged his head on the ground. So with Ruffy, with his hit probably being a little bit less, he was out for two weeks. Uh, well, it will be two weeks, assuming he plays. Um, I think Mia will be the same, so you can put a line through him. Would you go back to Cox? Well, did you um, read uh, Crimo's post on EBNW around Cox? Uh, no, but I know Crimo's um, suggestions about him, yeah. Yeah, around not being played because of the... Uh, uh, trying to avoid the contract oh, extension clause in his yeah, contract. No, yeah, I saw that, yeah. I mean, surely that can't be true, but you know, if it is, that's a bit pathetic. If they want to move him on, they could have, they could have done that last year when he had currency. Um, but anyway, um, I'm sure that was never the intent. But if that's the case now, then he won't play again for the rest of the year under under that guise, which makes no sense at all. But yes, I would probably probably try Cox. I mean, the Grundy has to be rested. He should have been rested last week, um, so it has to happen this week. But then, you know, there's all that rumor around. Um, well, there was last week about Max Lynch debuting as, as the Ruckman again, which sort of really points the finger as the Cox may as well just get on a plane now and go home. Yeah, I mean, Cox and Scharenberg, yeah, Scharenberg just seems to completely fall in favour, which is unusual because you go back to 218 and he was a fixture of that side until he did his knee. And then last year he was becoming a fixture of that side until Greenwood unwittingly knocked him out. But it's then there was talk that they were floating around for trade and stuff like that. And I should stop taking during this, uh, during yeah. this as well. Yeah. Um, and they, sorry, it's probably just Ross line. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there, there was talk they were floating around for trade and they didn't get him, uh, didn't get anything or didn't get anything that satisfied him. And this year he really just seems to be on the outs. The few times they've given him games, they've, they've dropped him. I don't think he's been great or anything, but I would have thought that, you know, given his pedigree, that you'd probably try and pump more games into him than other alternatives. I mean, the one thing I'll give Jack Magden credit for is he at least attacks the ball um, with some ferocity. And I think um, Scharenberg's a little bit battle-scarred by all the injuries he's had. And, you know, I think that's a long list to be battle-scarred yeah. with. You know, and he, he's been unfortunate because, I mean, you know, he got knocked out by um, Greenwood and then 
Uh, I can't remember which game it was, but he did the ribs earlier in the year. And it's like, well, he, when he's gone in for it, he's been hurt. So I don't know if they've lost confidence in his body, but Magnan actually attacks it with some ferocity uh, and fearlessness. He has periods of where I think, oh, geez, that's a really good, you know, bit of play that he's done. And there's other periods where you think, okay, now I understand why you're a rookie. Um, <laughs> he has he has um, uh, some, some chronic howlers, but, you know, look, he's not alone down there in defence at the moment. I don't well, think, I think he's with, a superstar or anything like that, but um, he's, a, he's, he's actually probably performing better than I thought he would. Uh, I think he's at a point where if you were, if you go back to 218 or even last year where the defence was doing okay and he was that number six defender, you wouldn't be that stressed because he'd be working in a very high-functioning unit which would compensate for his mm. inexperience and would which would give him some confidence. But now... I mean, the other one we probably haven't mentioned is Lyndon Dunn looks really... Um, <laughs> Seriously, I, it, it, what is he, 33? He's, he's coming off back-to-back ACLs. Yeah. Yeah. He's carrying weight. He was never fast to begin with. What were people thinking? Well, yeah. I mean, it was a romantic notion to see him back last week, kick the goal and stuff. That would have been the, the, the hurrah, I think. But he's only been played through lack of there's no one else. Oh, look, I don't mind that they tried him to see, well, you know, let's yeah, no, no, sure. I don't, I don't but, but, mind that they yeah. tried him, but, you know, I think against a good side, like he got shown up pretty badly. And although like, he wasn't anywhere near the worst or anything, it just wasn't good. Um, but you can't well, expect but, anything more than what we saw. Well, you know, all the tall defenders are pretty bad just because of the way the ball was coming in. Uh, so, but there was times you just look really slow and unsure. Uh, and, you know, he gives it his all and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know. I think that might have been the line through his name, but I don't, you know who do they go to instead. Well, that's that's it. Because if Scharenberg's fallen out of favour, then you possibly got um, uh, Nathan Murphy to try, and then you got those drafties from last year, or you could try a crazy thing and maybe throw. Trey Rusko back, who played as a defender, but well, he's, he's got a corky. He's, so yeah, that's probably the season. Yep. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. What a corky. Maybe what a week, um, but he'll probably um, develop into a blood clot, and he'll lose his leg. Um, so well, I mean, it was fun I mean, while it lasted. Thanks, mate. I mean, I'm not being silly, but you know, Jeremy Howe in 218 went out with a corky for 10 weeks. So these are the <laughs> corkies right. that happen. Yeah. So this is what happened. These are the corkies that happened at Collingwood. So who knows? Who knows what's, you know, as you said last week, between now and the next game, who knows what might happen? And hey, it does happen at Collingwood. Uh, I don't know who else there is to play. I don't know if they played a scratch match. You'd have to think that Stevenson would be a definite in. Oh, you have to. He missed the scratch match because they played that before the sides were announced. So we knew um, the day before the broom was it the day before or the, or the during the day the broomhead um, um, wasn't going to be playing, uh, even though he was listed as an emergency. He obviously wasn't held over, um, but there was no mention of Stevenson there. That would have caused a little bit more of uh, attention than than Broomy being dropped. So you'd think so. Look, look, I'm still hedging my bets that this is just a knock-on effect from the um, um, from the uh, glandular. glandular fever. That's right. Um, I, you know, but if if this is what he is now without that glandular excuse, that is a massive fall from what he was in '18. He was looking like an absolute world beater. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's oh, well, you'd have to think that 
if it's just he's fallen out of form or whatever, he can at least get back to 2018 because he showed he can play that stand. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he probably um, has been getting a lot more attention since 2018. I mean, the thing is, since 2018, he's been played at halfback well, and all that sort of stuff. Just about so, to say that too, yeah. It's all like, like week to week, you don't know where he's going to be playing. And I don't think he does either. And he shows that he genuinely has, you know, forward now. He shows that he's got a intuitive understanding of playing forward, which, you know, it's not, not everybody does. So, as I said, when he plays at full forward, he leads out, he has pace, he has separation, and he offers them something and, and straightens them out to an extent. Mm, yep, uh, but I got no idea though, who will come in. Um, your tip? No. Um, look, well, out we'll, of, we'll out of good this week. Yeah, they did. Um, out of all the games coming up, I think this is the only one we probably have a semblance of a chance to, to win. Um, it'll be very enlightening if we come out against North uh, with the same flat-footedness that we had this week. I think that really might smack of that there's more with this club going on behind the scenes than just um, the match day. But anyway, and I think, look, North will probably peep us um, by five points would be my guess. Well, they smashed us last year with their physicality. Um, so I don't know. I'll say North by 49 points. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's a tale of two, uh, two score lines there. Yeah. Look, I, um, I mean, again, just to go back to the, to the tank cap for a minute. Um, you know, when you look at what we're up against, you know, I think, what, what are we, I think, you'd probably be looking at nine and a half wins should sneak you into the bottom of the eight this year. Um, we're sitting on six and a half. I think I said earlier today, um, we'd need to win three of those games. And I just, I don't say it, you know, maybe one against North. Um, but the others are in pretty good form. Um, you got no doubt in your mind whatsoever that that final round against Port will be flown over to, South Australia for that one. So um, not that that really should matter after four week layoff in, um, in Brisbane, but um, you, you just don't see us winning. Now, if you don't see us winning or if you see us winning enough and making the finals of which we'll probably do nothing at any rate, why not utilize the AFL system to the absolute max and start blooding some of the um, kids. I think all our, um, all our picks from last year, it's only Rusco that's played a game this year. Would that yeah. be right? Um, yeah. You might as well get to see what some of these kids can do. Put some of your other ones in mothballs. Get them off to the surgeon or whatever you need to do, if you're allowed to do that sort of thing at the moment, um, and get them sorted and um, play out the year and plummet as hard as you can and just get whatever best pick you can. I know that pick isn't going to fix everything next year, but we've got to start from somewhere. I don't see the sense in deferring this for another... 12 months, um, let's get something of good value and don't fucking trade it um, and and take a good young key and let's start building something. I mean, geez, you look at the King brothers this year. What would you give for one of those as, as a key for? They are a fucking dynamite. And, you know, Rankin and Rowell and stuff, there is some good early talent there that, that clearly is, oh, well, is ready, ready to hey, go hey, from hey. day one. Well, even Stevenson fit in that category yep. in 2018. Which is a rarity so, for our first round picks. There's I mean, not too many that are walk-up starts. I mean, Daisy Thomas was in 206 and Pendlebury had glandular that year that sort of came into it once he's, um, he recovered, but he was sort of in and out. And then you had, um, um, you know, since Reed and Ben Reed and Nathan Brown were sort of in and out early yeah. also. So 
unfortunately, Dagoe came on in the time that fucking stupid substitute rule was um, in place. So yeah. often, you know, the first year players were given 30 minutes of game time. It wouldn't have helped their development. They probably would have been better just playing a whole reserves game. Um, but, you know, yeah, I agree. You know, they need some, an influx of talent in there. Uh, they need to find ways to exploit the AFL loopholes. You've got Nick Dacos in a couple of years. They've got this Reef McInnes as an academy pick. Um, they need to find ways of getting genuine talent in. I No offense to the, all the players who fall into this category, but I'm fucking sick of find, trying to find solutions in other clubs. Uh, I was going to say refuse, but that's probably too harsh. But, you know, Darcy Cameron couldn't get a game at Sydney. It's like, oh, let's go grab you. Yeah, he's looked okay. But, you know, they've done it constantly. Uh, you know, Tony Armstrong, your Sam Murray, you know, your Roughhead, your Lyndon Dunn and all that. And they're constantly going for these money ball picks to solve problems because of their shit uh, list management over the last nine years. And yep. it's like, hey, have it. we just get some currency and spend it on guys who might become 10-year players and may have an impact from day one. No, totally agree. So, where, where do we get signed up? I, know, well, I, I should be coach, and you should be president. Uh, it better work. I mean, what would we do with um, with all the those premiership cups we'll get? Oh, we should take um, all those millions we're going to spend on the rehab centre and build a, you know, like a shrine for our uh, for our premierships. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's not that difficult to uh, pull that off. I think we should uh, start a coup. Uh, so any final thoughts? Uh, no, um, I don't think Collingwood will do any of this. They'll still see themselves as some sort of viable, uh, proposition comes year end. And look, you know, as, as a sporting club, you'd expect them to, to take that line, but realistically, you've got to look at where we are and where we're going. And we have a lot of injuries that aren't realistically going to come back either. Just do the right thing. Collingwood just for the good of us all, roll over, get some good picks. Let's start again. This side doesn't oh. have a flag in them. I think my solution's better, but we can do that. Burn it to the ground. Disband. Why don't we just nuke it from orbit? It's the only way to be sure. I'd solve COVID also. <laughs> no, you can be absolutely guaranteed that while it will solve COVID, crawling would, would crawl from the ashes. They're like cockroaches. They'd probably be the dominant life form to take over the world after a nuclear incident. Oh, well, I'll probably get the chance. Hmm. Anyway, that's it from us. Uh, like things, subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, pref preferably comment on our Facebook page because I just don't get around all the time for various reasons um, to answer people, that is. And we'll see you next week sometime. Uh, yeah, after after the North game. When's it, what time is it? Seven o'clock. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, it could be it could be an angry rant straight after the game if we're motivated, but probably not. Probably the next day. That would be fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. All right, later. All right, see ya.